The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language. And we're here your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome everybody to the newest episode of the Church of Roy podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Ewald. And freshly back from Vegas, watch a little Pac-12 tournament action. My co-host, Brian Wilcox. Brian, it's Tuesday. Are you still hungover? That's the question. I don't recover like I used to, buddy. Mm-hmm. And so I might, well, I might not be hungover. I'm definitely not functioning at peak performance. I'd probably list on the injury report on the day to day, but I'm probable. So I got yeah, that I, going for me. I think on this Blazers squad, you would definitely be a DNP for a while. Maybe, maybe hang it up for the rest of the year, you know? I was going to say, I wouldn't go to work till like uh, June, probably. Yeah. If I, was, if I was in the Blazers. But. You know, I, I, you know, I don't envy it sometimes. I'm like, you know, I could, I could be, if I was a productive player, you know, watching your team tank, like right now might not be the worst thing in the world. So yeah, anyway. I don't know, man, on the, on the back rat tables, on the blackjack tables, I was like four for 20 with six turnovers. So Oof. they probably, you know, that probably would be playing if uh, I played for the yeah. Blazers. And I'd be aiding in the tank if, if basketball was gambling. So yeah, it's all yeah. good. Yeah. You'd be, you know, you might be getting that hardship contract from some team. You never know. <laughs> So <laughs> I, I need one right now. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of the tank, obviously I, I this is going to be a very draft heavy tournament podcast just from the timing of what this is. Uh, you'll be hearing this most likely on Wednesday morning. Uh, so, yeah, the tournament's here. We're one, you know, one day away at this point when you're listening. So I want to just talk about some of the players that I'm watching. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about Josh Hart. And this Blazers team snapping a six-game losing streak, uh, the longest active streak in the NBA before it was broken. Josh Hart erupts for 44 points in a victory over the Wizards. Um, just caught fire. Could not miss. Um, 
was doing a lot of things that you see typically in the Blazers offense, a lot of dribble handoffs, uh, a lot of fast moving actions, a lot of step in threes and transition. Uh, you know, it, if you squinted, it looked a little bit like Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum kind of mm. operating, you know, so I guess the question I want to pose to you is what is this? Does this potentially mean anything for next year? Um, or is this just a player who's pretty talented playing basically on a G league team as you, as you say quite a bit um, is it, is it that, or, or is there something, is there something here? What, what do you make of Josh Hart's play recently? You know, he's been up and down though. I mean, obviously that game he had 44, he also went for five, six and 10 points in the three games before it with pretty awful, like 18% shooting from the field. And so I think he's a guy that, you know, moving forward, because you always try to project these guys in roles that will make sense on hopefully a competitive team. I think he can be a guy that comes off the bench, potentially spot starts for you and does a lot of good things, kind of get hot and, and uh, you know, maybe win a game for you here and there. But, you know, he's been a little streaky, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to anoint him. But, man, you watch those last even, you know, the game be last night a time of recording against Atlanta he looked really really good for stretches went four for seven from three and so he certainly has the ability I think his he's been in the league long enough that this might just kind of be who he is he's a little streaky at times but you know when asked to do a little more offensively I think he at times can rise in the occasion Mm -hmm. yeah I mean he's definitely streaky but I think as you alluded to, he's not really built to carry this type of scoring load or play this bit heavy of a role on offense. Mm-hmm. What's intriguing is that he can get hot and put together these stretches as we've seen in these last couple of games. We've seen it before this last couple of stretches games too. Like when he first arrived in Portland, I, uh, I think where it gets exciting is when he's playing around better, better players, because mm-hmm. one thing outside of his scoring is he has a very good feel for where all his teammates are. And, and that says something when you're playing around the level of talent that he is right now. I'm not trying to be mean to any of the players that are playing right now, but let's face it. This is not necessarily a real NBA roster or rotation. So moving forward, I think the, the thing that I cling to being optimistic is I don't think the Blazers are going to have to prioritize going out and getting perimeter scoring, even mm-hmm. at a forward position this off season. they can really focus on remedying their defense because you know, on paper, potentially, as long as all the contracts work out, you retain Josh Hart, which I think they will. You're going to have Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, and Josh Hart, all capable scorers. And then you can use some of that flexibility, that $20 million trade exception. Um, you, you know, maybe you, re, you you keep Nurk, and then you really just try to go for a very defense forward, you know, power forward. Mm-hmm. Is, is that kind of what you're seeing? You know, what is that? Is that the path that Josh Hart affords you by playing the way he is? You know, tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, and probiotics to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 per day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. 
especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I want to talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Hawaii called ColorCast. ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes, and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. All you have to do is download the ColorCast app free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store. Yes and no. I think if you still have Nurk out there, right, I think there's a lot of benefits to having a four who can stretch the floor. You know, so obviously that 3D archetype would be ideal. But one other thing I wanted to hit on with Josh Hart, too, is I, I leapt straight to the scoring, right, which a lot of fans and media mm. types do. But it's worth noting that we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. You know, he's been a good rebounder his whole career for his position. I would say even an almost, you know, borderline elite rebounder for his position. And he's also been distributing very well, to your point. He's been right around that five to seven rebounds, three to five assists, and to me, you know, I think that's more important moving forward with how Josh Hart fits in this team is that even if he's still not getting, you know, 21 shots a game, like he's gotten up the last two, he can still impact the game in, in different ways, which is a really nice fit next to Simons and Dame, depending on how they stagger that guard rotation, or even if he bumps up to the three a little bit, you're not going to get killed on the boards, at least with him in the three spot. Yeah, it, I think it's, you know, like you said, he does a little things very well. And I, I mean, this is just a, how he's always played. He came from a Villanova system that just creates well-rounded forwards. God, and I love then, Villanova guys, man. Yeah. Love them. And, and then he steps into, you know, he's always kind of even the third option of the young guys on the teams that he was on, you know, with the Lakers mm-hmm. and then later the Pelicans, that same group. Um, 
really what he's doing now is something he's never really had the, you know, the green light to do ever in his career, really. So it is interesting to see what he can do. It does give me like, you know, a reason for hope next year. And Mm -hmm. really, you know, is he a perfect fit at small forward? Probably not. He's still a little undersized. Um, But I mean, this is a team that started Norm Powell there for a long stretch of time. Now, granted, Hart doesn't quite have the wingspan that, that Norm Powell has, but, you know, as from a height standpoint and playing style standpoint, and like you said, he's not afraid to, you know, get in the paint and get physical and chase rebounds. If he can play a, a lion's share of his minutes at small forward, I, I think you might have a starter position kind of nailed down for next year. And really that just opens a lot of opportunity when you're talking about, you know, that player being at his age at that, salary and that level of flexibility moving forward now outside of heart is there anybody else you know from these last couple games since the last time we talked that has stood out to you you know kind of in this this motley crew of blazer players (laughs) i mean i think you have to bring up trend and watford right that guy's been on fire three three straight games at over 20 points um had four blocks last night which was good to see and with him locked down for a few more years, I've really enjoyed watching him out of this group because he feels like a guy that, you know, can slot into a lot of different lineups. I think he's, again, another guy that will not be playing in the same role as he is right now. But it's cool to see him be able to get some shots up, perform extremely well. Um, I'd still like to see some more threes drop. That would be yeah. good for his development. But, you know, for an undrafted big, this guy's – been absolutely phenomenal for us. Even a 14 rebound game against Minnesota. Um, I think it was about a week and a half ago, but still, it's just really good to see some of these numbers popping out, given the opportunity. And uh, I don't know, he's just fun to watch, man. Mm-hmm. On both sides of the floor, you can really just track him, right? He's always just doing good shit, which you can't say that about everybody. You know, yeah. even, even even great players, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you watch them off ball and stuff, and, they, and they, they're not always doing the right things. And he seems like he puts himself in the best position to succeed possible, which as we've talked about before, you know, helps offset some of his athletic limitations, but he's also made some pretty athletic moves to the basket, which have been fun to watch. So mm-hmm. I'm just really kind of curious to see how he finishes the season. Um, hopefully he continues just to grow as a player and grow in, in his confidence level and kind of set him up for a successful run next year. Yeah, Watford, a lot of this kind of mirrors to a lesser degree what we like about Josh Hart here. This is someone who mm-hmm. is performing well in a bigger role. But, I mean, let's make no, you know, illusions about this team. I mean, this team is bad. So, I mean, someone's <laughs> got to score those points. But moving forward, what he does, you can see it translate to a smaller role. Like like you said, he's very smart on the floor. Um, his positioning makes up for some of his physical limitations. And I think that's exactly what you want as your third, fourth big moving forward. And yeah, would I like to see more three-pointers drop? I'm in the same boat as you. Like that, if we can get a true floor spacer from that position, that would be awesome. It's something the Blazers have been after. I mean, you got a team that's going after, you know, the corpse of Anthony Tolliver at one point. So like, yeah, I would love to see those those drop and him become a floor spacer. And there's plenty of time because let's put this in, in into some context here. This last little run, which yes, I know this is a tanktastic team, but I, I believe he's the youngest undrafted rookie or youngest undrafted player to notch 
consecutive 20 point games. So, you know, that is something. And they do have him on a very team friendly contract moving forward. So, you know, any production you get out of him beyond this season is really encouraging. So, you know, there, there are some, I guess these are the things you got to cling to when the team is ten. <laughs> you know, like we're going to talk about yeah. Josh Hart and we're going to talk about Trenton Watford. Um, you need, if we're throwing some kudos out too, I would say, you know, Brandon Williams has acquainted himself extremely well with the team. Um, we, we hit on him last week and how sustainable this is and kind of the same thing, just trying to project his role moving forward. But either way, he's been kind of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And then Drew Eubanks, been battling oh, yeah. out there. You know, has some good numbers. Uh, he's going against some some pretty top tier boys out there. He, he's old his own. Okay, so shout out to those two guys too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, these are these are your tank heroes. This is what yep. uh, Robert Covington was once upon a time for the Sixers. You know, like the these type of players kind of rise up through this and, and kind of get almost a cult status and maybe get a little overvalued by the fan base. But you know what? I have no problem with it. I mean, I have no Absolutely. problem finding hope where you can find it in, in a season like this. Um, but is speaking, there, uh, oh, go ahead. Is there is there anything you want to see as far as these next couple of weeks, rest of the year, essentially, as far as playing time? Is there I mean, any he wanted? Because I, I look at some of Greg, Greg Brown's numbers, and I'm like, give my guy Greg some run. What's there to lose yeah. here? You know. I don't know. Like with some of those players, like I, I think you you have the types like Trent and Watford where you can throw in, and this is just a, an assumption. Like every player is built different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some players it might not be as wise to just throw them into a bunch of playing time in a losing situation. And, and Trent and Watford might be a type of player that might be better equipped to deal with something like that. And maybe you know Greg Brown and some of these other younger prospects aren't necessarily, you know that that same type it doesn't mean that they're going to that their long-term trajectory is any different it's just you know you can't put every player through the same you know square peg so mm-hmm. and i think that might be something with that i mean that's pure speculation like i said um i've only I heard enough, I, nothing but good things about greg brown so i think i think that's a fair assumption though because you know with reps if they're not the right reps they can also develop some <laughs> bad habits too yeah. right so yeah yeah i think yeah. that's that's a fair look at it yeah, so you know, if, if you're asking me what I'm looking at in the next two weeks, I'm looking for more losses because L's, you know, baby. Because <laughs> after this little stretch here, after this Knicks game, I mean, something we were talking about before we re- hit record on this show is the weakness of the Blazers' schedule is truly astonishing down the stretch here. Well, I wonder and, if it's historic, quite frankly. I mean, for a team, you know, this close say- to the bottom. We can say it's historic. It's free to say it. So let's do it. Uh, um, it's an historically bad schedule down the stretch. And a lot of people might get worried when they see this. Whereas us on the Church of Roy podcast, we see this as a tremendous opportunity for this Blazers team. Because as we kind of put, like hinted at last episode, it's like these losses are almost kind of worth double. Because a team yes. that you need to pass picks up a win and you pick up a loss. So like you're, you're meeting in the middle a little quicker, at least it feels that way. And you know, there, there's some really exciting games here and there's going to be some real <laughs> game. There's, there's going to be game. And when I say exciting, I mean, I'm a true NBA degenerate and a tank. Right. You have to be you have to. like, you're going to see some gamesmanship on how these teams are really going to try to like out lose each other. So I don't know. Is that what you're looking for right now? I, I mean, that's certainly what I'm watching for. 
well, fuck yeah, dude. What else do you <laughs> yeah. watch for? Like, yeah. and, and it truly is like, you know, it's a, if you're two games behind the team or ahead of the team, however you're looking at this and, you know, you lose to the Spurs, you just made one game up. And so it really is a two for one. Mm-hmm. And just to put the strength of schedule into perspective right now, I'm looking at tankathon.com remaining strength of schedule and Portland's their combined winning percentage for the teams they have left is 0.387. The next closest is Atlanta at 0.469. And so almost the difference from the next closest team. And then, you know, that eight percentage points up, Mm -hmm. you're looking at like (laughs) basically Minnesota at the fourth toughest. So the difference between Minnesota at four and Atlanta at number 29 is the same as Atlanta at 29 and Portland at 30. That's how easy the schedule is. And so, again, we look at this as a huge opportunity because we can gain some serious ground in those teams that are closer to the bottom than our beloved Trailblazers. You know, tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and probiotics to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients helps to support gut health, the nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle friendly, adapting to a wide range of diets. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 per day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, it's producer Perry here, and I want to talk to you about a new app we've been using here on the Church of Hawaii called ColorCast. ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and totally free to use. You can talk to me, other fans, Brian, Steve, athletes, and insiders all in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And the best thing is that you can share your own experiences on the app. All you have to do is download the ColorCast app free on the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any group you want. It's that easy. That's the ColorCast app on the iOS App Store. We're, we're going to see what kind of stones Joe Cronin and this organization has. Like, what is their level of commitment? And what are they able to do to ensure that the Blazers are going to get one of these players that we're initially going to talk about when we're looking at this NCAA tournament? And just before we kind of transition into talking about the college game, I think it's mm-hmm. always important to kind of check in when we talk about this show is the Blazers right now with their own pick. So this isn't the Pelicans pick is currently at number eight at the time of this recording. So they have a 26% chance of getting a top four pick and a 6% chance of landing that top pick overall. So, you know, th- they got up one spot. They've kind of flip flopped with, with San Antonio. Um, this week, but that, you know, that win kind of changed things. So they're sitting right there level with the Spurs right now. So still, I think it's very much possible that this team gets to that number five spot. Like we talked about last week, <laughs> um, especially with games against 
the Spurs and against the Pacers, against the Kings, like there's there's opportunity here to to get to that spot. Um, I want to talk about college basketball because the NBA draft is my favorite thing. Um, mm-hmm. Before we get into that, you know, you had a chance to go down to Vegas and watch the Pac-12 tournament, or at least parts of it, parts of it that you remember. Um, you you got to watch a guy that gets mentioned quite a bit with the Blazers. I've even done it myself. Um, and, and that's Matherin, the, the Arizona guard, six, seven guy projected lottery pick. You got to watch the Colorado Arizona game really dialed into that. Um, what do you make of Matherin? What do you make a, of an Arizona team that does have a couple NBA prospects on it? Uh, what do you see up close? Just as a team, they were huge, man. Um, you know, I, I, another guy that's been mentioned towards the back end of the first round, early second is Christian Coloco, their starting mm-hmm. center. And so for me, I had, you know, most of my eyes on Matherin for the majority of the game. And he had kind of a rough outing against Colorado. He played much better in the Pac-12 title game, which Arizona ended up winning. But he was 10-4-3, and didn't shoot well from the floor. And I was a little surprised because I don't think he's – I don't think he's labeled or as like, you know, a real elite athlete, but to me, he didn't really even pop while he was out on the floor. And it might've just been one of those nights. It was kind of an off game. I think he does bank on his skills. So you'd hate to put too much stock into that, but athletically while he's not, you know, by any means bad athlete, he's not elite. And I think at the NBA level or someone projected as a top 10 pick, you kind of want to see a little more athletically, but it might've just been an off game and I'll be curious to see what he, I think his combine results be pretty critical, frankly. Yeah. Just because he, he didn't, he didn't strike me as like a super plus athlete. You know what I mean? I mean, that's kind of the rub with him and, and it's something I've talked about on other, on another podcast as well Is you know, if you look at his measurables on paper and, and some of his shooting percentages, you're like, Oh, this is a clear cut, you know, top five guy shooting guard here, but it, mm-hmm. it really, he doesn't have quite that burst and just that supreme athleticism that we sometimes see out of players this size. When you talk about him having an off game and seeing him disappear for a while, what it reminds me of and worries me is kind of that Cam Reddish effect. Like yeah. Cam Reddish was the master of being, you know, Hayes, this highly touted top prospect was, you know, alive and well in top tens of mock drafts, you know, since he stepped foot on Duke campus. Um and just really never took over a game. I like, think I just, I mean, he had some good games, but like could just disappear for long stretches. So I don't, I don't know if Matherin's necessarily that, but it, it certainly can trend that direction. As far as Christian Coloco goes, it's cool to see him, you know, kind of rise up and really blossom into this player. Uh, if you go, if you are a, a person who goes to Les Schwab Invitational out in Hillsborough every year, Christian Coloco was one of the players that was there two years ago, three years ago right before the one before the pandemic. So mm-hmm. uh, just absolute beanpole of a player, like just super tall shot blocker um, has put on a little bit of weight at Arizona, but still a pretty skinny guy, uh, you know, true seven footer over seven foot tall. Um, definitely someone to watch in this tournament and definitely some interesting matchups for Arizona, you know, especially they, they're a team that should make a pretty deep run. If you look at their region, but I have some reservations about what that Arizona team can do. Um, so we'll, we'll see. They're definitely a team I'm watching. Um, yeah, especially, you know, one thing I was surprised with Coloco was he was able to corral guards pretty well on the perimeter in several instances. And granted, he, you know, it wasn't 
Lillard trying to turn the corner on him by any means, but he showed flashes being able to move a little better than I thought. Um, I think he could be a serviceable backup big, but obviously not somebody that we're probably looking at with our picks. Mm-hmm. So one, you know, at the game though, uh, Jabari Walker from Colorado had an extremely good game. He's been projected kind of mid to late second round, I believe, mm-hmm. depending on where you're looking, but he had 19, five and two and just looked like he belonged, looked mm-hmm. like, you know, probably the best player on the court for long stretches against a really good Arizona team with some NBA talent. Right. So yeah. he's got to be kind of, he's kind of a tweener, six, eight, six, nine guy. Um, but he rebounded well for his rebounds, well for his position and shot the ball well in that game in particular. So he's a guy I'd kind of be, unfortunately Colorado didn't mm-hmm. make it to the, to the, to the big dance. I think they're, I, yeah, I think they're in the NIT. I think they're in the NIT. Yeah. I think they're, they're in the NIT. I think they're yeah. playing that actually. But. Yeah. Anyway, he's he's another guy that I'd kind of keep tabs on, and you know he wouldn't be a second a bad second round flyer from what we know right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean when you're talking about Jabari Walker, the Blazers do have you know two second round picks this year. I mean we, there's so much focus on the potential of two lottery picks, which it rightfully should be, but mm-hmm. for someone who follows this draft for especially for a team that does not have a lot of players under contract going into next year, there's probably going to be some second round guys to fill out your roster just from a price standpoint, from an upside standpoint. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there are two second round picks on this roster next year really would not shock me. Um, So let's, let's kind of get into some of the players that, you know, we're watching some names that we constantly hear about and and some of the matchups they could potentially face. So uh, I I just kind of want to start at the top of the, the pecking order, I guess. Um, I think you could either talk about Jabari Smith here right off the bat or Chet Holmgren since I'm a homer and, and I love <laughs> Chet Holmgren and Gonzaga. We're going to talk about Chet Holmgren first. All right. Um, so, you know, Gonzaga, number one overall seed. A lot of that has to do with what Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy do. I mean, uh, if you watch this Gonzaga team, you understand the important role that Andrew Nemhard plays for this team. But really, it's the two big guys that are the poster childs, Drew Timmy, uh, Chet Holmgren. They actually, of all the 16 seeds, they Georgia's Georgia, uh, yeah, Georgia State. I almost said Georgia South, which I don't think is it, might be a probably is a school, but anyway, that, Georgia sounds, State, like a, that sounds like a fake school in like a college yeah. movie, you know? yeah. Exactly. So they went to Georgia, I think that was the school from the program. <laughs> that's, that's what I was gonna say. That's, a, that's where the program was. Um, anyway, Georgia State, uh, you know, they were kind of a Cinderella darling a few years ago. That was the, the RJ Hunter team with his dad as a coach. Um, not necessarily a pushover game, especially for a Gonzaga team that's going to be shaking off some cobwebs after a long WCC schedule. So I think it's a game worth watching, even though it's the one in 16 seed. Now, where it gets really interesting for this team is in the second round, especially if Memphis beats Boise State in their first round matchup, which would set up a Gonzaga Memphis matchup. And why that is interesting is you're going to see Chet Holmgren go against the type of players that Chet Holmgren, a type of player that Chet Holmgren kind of gets knocked for his last lack of size. And that's Jalen Duran. He's just like this monster center for Memphis is like the old school, traditional rim running center um, NBA body right now mm-hmm. um, still has to do some stuff to dial in and, and be ready to, you know, be a starter at the next level, but he's going to probably be a late lottery pick. I really as much as I'd like to see another Northwest team, Boise State, win, I really just kind of want to see Memphis get that W 
and look at that matchup between Holmgren and Duran and see how much time they actually play on each other or how much time Duran focuses on the more post-centric player in Drew Timmy, I think you'll learn a lot about both Duran and Holmgren in this matchup. Is there anything specific that you want to see from Chet Holmgren in this, or, or is that just kind of it in the nutshell that I covered? I think you got most of it. I mean, you know I'm rooting for Memphis since I went to University of Idaho, so I'm not a Boise <laughs> State fan, first, first of all. And then second of all, um, you know, Dern's a guy that, depending on who we snag with the, our first pick, that hopefully if that Pelicans pick were to come our way, um, you know, in that – 10 to 11 area. Mm-hmm. I think Dern's a guy that I wouldn't mind Portland kind of taking a look at kicking the tires on and having a big, I, I've been very adamant that I really want a developmental big on this roster, mm-hmm. a true five. And so, you know, that kind of, so I think for me, that goes two ways. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't watched Gonzaga this year as much as you have. And so mm-hmm. do you, where do you see, you know, as far as Dern's matchup, do you see him being on Timmy quite a bit more than Holmgren? Like, do you think that we'll get to see Duran and Holmgren really go at it? Or will it be more of a Timmy Duran type matchup? I, I think you're going to see these guys match up on each other at different points of the game. I think Duran is going to be that post presence. He's going to probably be guarding Drew Timmy, especially mm-hmm. if Timmy's hot. Um, on the opposite end of the floor, I think you're going to see Chet Holmgren test his hand with containing Duran. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's really what I'm more excited about is can, can he avoid continue to avoid foul trouble and still protect the rim, which is something that really truly separates Chet Holmgren. When you look at his per 40 block rate compared to his per 40 foul rate, which you're going to hear me talk about this over and over and over again, as the draft approaches is what truly makes Chet Holmgren special. And if he can continue to do that against, you know, other lottery type talent, big men, like, I think he really is really making a solid case of why he should be the number one pick, which if we want to talk about the person he's competing with for that spot, that's Jabari Smith of Auburn, Auburn on the opposite end of the bracket, you know, their number two seed. I think everyone's, you know, obviously watching Jabari, what can Jabari do here, but this Auburn team is only going to go as far as their guards take them. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's a luxury that Chet Holmgren has with Andrew Nemhard on that team. Auburn just doesn't have that equivalent, especially when they're not playing on their home court. I mean, they're a team that shoots the three ball out of this world in their home gym, but with the second they leave it, they're one of the worst teams in the sec when it comes to three point shooting. So, you know, traditionally in the tournament, you want to have a couple guards that are experienced that can at least take care of the ball. And that's just something this Auburn team doesn't have. Now that doesn't mean Jabari Smith cannot shine in this tournament. We watched Evan Mobley have a very good tournament last year. Can Jabari Smith replicate that this year? And really the first matchup I'm going to look for for them is if they win and USC wins their first matchup, you're going to see Jabari Smith go against the tallest team in the NCAA in USC And they, you know, Isaiah Mobley, Evan Mobley's brother, who's still at USC, has been solid this year. Now, he's not quite an NBA prospect, but he's a solid player. And this is a team that has a ton of hype. And and we'll see how Jabari Smith navigates that. Is there anything you're looking for out of Jabari Smith, you know, as this opening round starts? I think you hit on the head just the length and the athleticism that USC presents. 
um, assuming they get there, obviously, mm-hmm. same with our previous discussion with Memphis yeah. and Gonzaga, right? But yeah, Auburn will be interesting because, you know, they dropped a late late game to Tennessee. There's no pushover, but the, and then they dropped one to Texas A&M. And so, you know, this is a team not exactly hitting the NCAA tournament on a high. And just for our sake, I hope that Auburn's able, those guards are able to keep the bigs involved in the game and that they're able to progress the tournament. So I really want to watch this guy play. I yeah. like watching this guy play, mm-hmm. but it'll just, I'll be really curious to see how the team kind of fits around them. And, and, you know, this might be an opportunity for Jabari Smith to really stand out and make a claim for that number one pick. If he just, you know, falls out in this tournament, good guard player, not, and carries, carries Auburn deep into the, you know, racket. Yeah. And I mean, part of the reason why I love Jabari, Jabari Smith is like, he's getting to do some, he's really just that modern involvement of a forward and like his offensive game is just awesome. And I'm interested to see what he can do in a tournament that traditionally slows down and he's Mm -hmm. not going to get a lot of those free open look transition three pointers that he sometimes gets as a trailer. I mean, he's going to, he's going to have to work for his shots. We're going to see him work in the half court. Um, It's going to be really interesting. It's a lot like, you know, really the big dance for college prospects is a lot like, the NBA playoffs for mm-hmm. NBA guys, right? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, can this guy still get it done when teams are clamping down? It's loud as shit. And, you know, the court shrinks. Are they still effective? And, and it's a lot harder place to deliver. And guys that – I think that's sometimes why we see – and maybe it goes too much the other way, right? But why you see guys' stocks really rise and fall in the tournament based on their plays because it might be a little more representative – of high pressure situations like you'd see in the NBA at the deepest level. So it'll be interesting, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching another potential, just total side pot potential positive of Jabari Smith is the longer he goes in the tournament, the more TV time he gets and potentially his family gets. I don't know what kind of relationship he has with his cousin, but we have a chance to see uh, Kwame Brown, who has been an uh, absolute <laughs> enigma in the last couple of years, potentially make it onto CBS as part of the Jabari Smith family, who is a, he's a first cousin, I believe, of Jabari Smith, uh, definitely a cousin, I assume, first cousin. So I'm, I'm hoping to get a Kwame Brown sighting to in here somewhere. Um, Bonus. As far as, you know, coming back to that idea of this is the NBA playoffs for these players and things will slow down, I think this is going to be a very telling tournament for a guy that I think everybody in Portland has fallen in love with. Uh, I think he's a prospect everybody's talking about, and that's Keegan Murray, the forward out of Iowa, high scoring player in the NCAA. I mean, he is just an offensive wizard. We will see what he can do in a tournament that slows down. Now, this is another team kind of like Auburn. I mean, they're in the same region, but a little further up that has some favorable matchups in these first couple rounds. They play Richmond to open. I the matchup I really want to see them play if they both teams get there is in the Sweet 16 they could potentially play Kansas and I think that's a super interesting matchup yeah. for all of Iowa but especially Keegan Murray because there's a lot of firepower on that Kansas team and can he match that step for step and can he rise does that offense rise to the occasion or is it just one that kind of feasts on a Big Ten conference that was real hit and miss this yeah season? a little little up and down <laughs> so. yeah absolutely man I mean. I was kind of out on Keegan Murray early in the year and he's kind of won me over um, sticking eight threes the other night at six, eight, two twenty-five doesn't hurt, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, he's a guy too, where I'm curious to see if, 
But if they run up into some real physical teams, how he handles that, kind of your point, once again, when it slows down all that stuff. But give me some athletic, you know, long, you know, dudes on him. And, and I'd be curious to see how he delivers that. The, the thing I, I think I'm disappointed with just with where I was placed in this tournament is you're, you're not going to really get to see him get tested on, on defense. I don't think, I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's always a potential to do that, but there's not really, at least until Kansas and even Kansas is kind of so, so on this potential for a matchup is you're not going to see a dynamic front court, you know, power forward score, or even a center score where, you know, what can Keegan Murray do in the post? Uh, what can he do in space? Now you might get tested in space a little bit with Kansas, which is a player I want to talk about when we're talking about some of these second round picks. So Portland has two second round picks this year. They have their own. And then they also have a pick from Memphis. Now the Memphis pick is going to be way at the end of the second round. Um, the Blazers pick will probably be pretty decent. Um, it's, it's, it's Christian Braun for Kansas. He's a, you know, six, six guard forward, um, 14.6 points per game. Uh, a huge dunker. Like he's had some awesome highlight dunks this year. Um, I want to see what he does in a matchup in Iowa, if that does come true. I mean, Kansas does have some interesting matchups here, but this region, this this whole Midwest region is kind of – I just kind of throw a dart at a wall because I have serious questions about a lot of the teams in this region. But I think if you're looking at Kansas, a team that's potentially going to make a deep run here, a player we're probably going to hear a lot about is, is Christian Braun, especially for his NBA stock. So – um any thoughts on some of these deep sleeper type players? Any, have you watched? Have you got to watch Christian Braun a lot this year? I'm wondering if you have. <laughs> Not a lot, my friend. That's a little deeper cut. Um, I do know he's a little older, you know, than some of these other guys. I think you know worth a worth a look in the second round. Um, cruising back up, I want to get your thoughts on a guy. We'll see. If, I'm, I'm curious to see what you have to say about him because I'm sure. I'm sure you probably got a two-page scouting report on him already. <laughs> Don't put it, me on the spot. But Corey Eason, LSU? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Let's talk about him. So, LSU's in a weird spot. I mean, this is another Yeah, team they just got like, they just yeah. got like yeah, sanctioned and shit. Yeah, so. they, they got sanctioned. They fired their coach. Um, yeah. All right before this tournament. Now, Tari Eason is a, you know, combo forward, Northwest guy. He's from Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um He's another one where it's kind of a lesser degree of what I'm worried about with Keegan Murray. I'm a little more worried about everything across the board with Tari Eason. Um, what does he do in an NBA offense? Can he defend in space in the NBA? Because he's kind of in that weird position group of who actually is he going to guard and what actually is he going to do in a half-court offense? And I think that's a, a super interesting proposal for this, this LSU team, especially with him because – you know, Iowa State is kind of a very trendy upset pick in that They're LSU frisky. game. And, and Iowa State is, yeah, they, they're a team that is very tough coming from that Big 12 conference that, you know, didn't get a lot of coverage this year. But Iowa State is a team that's veteran. They make smart decisions. They play tough defense. Um, can the LSU Tigers stay disciplined? Can Tari Eason show that he is a potential lottery pick? Um Again, it's it's like Keegan Murray. It's like Jabari Smith. Can they, you know, can he produce when the game slows down? Can he produce when it 
goes to half court sets. And that'll be the thing. I, I still, Tari Eason, they do have some blind spots. I haven't watched a whole lot of him, but mm-hmm. I have watched a few games in, in his SEC competitions. So, but he, yeah. he's interesting to watch. And I guess before we get too far into the second round, we did kind of gloss over the Duke guys. Uh, Paulo Banchero, AJ Griffin, two guys the Blazers should definitely have on their radar. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Banchero is going to handle the ball a lot. He does slow the ball down a lot on offense. So you're going to see a lot of him. This Duke team is just, I don't know what to make of them. They, they, when they go cold, they go ice cold. They can lose to anybody. So I, you know, it would be a testament to them if they can, you know, make it to the, you know, elite eight here, because I, I don't think there's a lot of people picking them to make it that far just from the level of inconsistency, especially on offense. But um, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. AJ <laughs> Griffin, uh, you know, one of the best corner three point shooters, outside shooters, spot up shooters in this entire draft class, like close to 50% three point shooter. Um, he He's dynamic. I think he's someone I could see at the next level who might, it's going to only get better because I think he's kind of been pigeonholed into this floor spacer for a Bonchero heavy offense. So Mm -hmm. I wonder if he's going to get to spread his wings a little bit in this tournament. I doubt it, but can he continue to connect at a high level, especially when these games slow down, especially when it's a bunch of half court sets. And, and also too, if they do make a deep run, the other thing I really like to watch shooters in the tournament in general is how they respond later when, the games start happening in bigger arenas and it changes shooters traditional depth perception when they're shooting. I think yeah. guys who can really adapt to that are the guys that are going to be really special at the next level. So uh, AJ Griffin, definitely a person to watch for that. Um, as far as yeah, the game, go ahead. I was just going to say, I love that call out. Obviously the dude guys are guys we have to watch. I think AJ Griffin's really interesting. If we can get down mm-hmm. into that, he's probably right at five in most boards. And so, you know, both him and Keegan Murray, I like, for my limited knowledge of Eason, I like him as a potential fallback if maybe Murray's off the board. Um, I, from your facial expression right now, I don't think you're on board with that, but we will see how he does. And so, yeah, but getting back to those two guys, Banchero will be really interesting. They've gotten, seems like, you know, it's a young team, and they have a tendency to get really tight. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To your point, when they go cold, they go cold. So I'm curious to see what those guys are able to do. Yeah, I, uh, you know, the 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 Duke guys in general and, and Tari Eason, uh, I I need to see a little bit more out of all those players in kind of that range. So, and which is a perfect stage to do it. Um, as far better, as a game, better than watching the Blazers at this point. They <laughs> yeah. got the tournament too. <laughs> yeah, as far as guys. A player you can watch tomorrow or today as you're listening to this is Blake Wesley, um, another second-round type player. He's a guard forward out of Notre Dame. The guy has nothing but confidence on offense, doesn't necessarily have the skills or the shooting percentage to, to support that level of confidence, but he's not afraid, does a little bit of everything. What I really love about him is on defense. He guards one through five. I mean, he's undersized, but in college he does that. And he really is allowed to play almost like a free safety in football on this defense. You'll see him when you when you watch Notre Dame play, he is constantly lurking in passing lanes. He's looking to get out and transition once he has that ball and he has the ball handling chops to take it coast to coast. Uh, super exciting player. Is he a flawed player? Yeah. I mean, obviously we're not talking about him in the lottery here, but 
man, he, he is fun to watch when it's clicking and he is tough to watch when it's not. So it's very hot and cold, but someone to keep an eye on. I mean, perfect second round pick type player to target here. Um, uh, another, another guy like David Roddy, small forward, <laughs> power forward, Colorado state, six, six, two fifty five. He's alone. Yep. But you know what guys have fallen before due to lack of height. If you want he to talk, be. I mean, Colorado, Colorado state is a great team to watch here. And him in particular, uh, a team that plays in the half court. This is a slow paced Colorado state team. Um, you have a very good idea of what these players can do in, in half court offenses. So um, definitely a, a, another team to watch potentially, especially when you're talking about those second round, late second round picks. Um, I, I think, he's, a weird, he's a weird player, man. That team, Colorado state is filled with weird players this year. Weird so, I mean, hopefully, hopefully they win a couple games and everybody kind of gets to see what's been going on. I, hope uh, so. um, I, I think the other team that a lot of, a lot of, people are kind of scared to pick even though they are a higher seed to start the tournament is Alabama. Um, Mm -hmm. Another team that is super hot and cold uh, and it really kind of, there's a couple players in their backcourt that are super interesting that could fall in that second round range for the Blazers. And that's Keon Ellis. Who's more of a traditional, you know, two guard six, six. Uh, He's everything you would expect from a traditional shooting guard prospect in that range. The guy who I'm fascinated with is J.D. Davison. And, yes, it does have to do with he absolutely smoked Gonzaga earlier this season. <laughs> I think he's got the best hair in college basketball. Um, he is a absolute spark plug on offense. Uh, when he is clicking, the ball doesn't miss. And, I mean, he's very much like that Jordan Clarkston type. Uh, uh, who else? Lou Williams, obviously. Like, when he's going, when it's rolling – you want him to shoot the ball every time down the floor. So Alabama, again, not a team I have a tremendous amount of faith in. Traditionally, not a great tournament team, but they are playing the winner of the Rutgers-Notre Dame playing game. It's happening on Wednesday. Notre Dame and Rutgers, also traditionally not great tournament teams. So it'll be really interesting to see if they can get a couple games under their belt. And you're going to see them potentially meet a Texas Tech team that is just loaded on defense in the next mm-hmm. round. So yeah, Texas Tech's a team I really like coming out of that mm-hmm. little portion of the bracket. Yeah. Um, so Steve, with four first round picks, how many do we? Or sorry, two first rounders, two second rounders, four picks. You know, is the Blazers scouting contingent only scouting guys six eight and under, or do you think they're <laughs> going to open up the? They're going to really open it up and maybe look for someone who's tall to be on this basketball team. No, nope, nope. No, obviously, am I targeting the wrong guys here? I'm looking I mean, at the Banchero, Smith, Holmgren, Griffin, looking, Murray, Eason. Give me, give me some tall guys. So I know when, when I'm talking about some of these players, I'm talking about guards. Like what I'm do, what I traditionally do when I look at this draft is I look at the players that are at their value where they're going to fall in line with where the Blazers picks are, because especially in second round picks, you should never be drafting for fit in the second round. You need to be drafting yeah. for best player available and upside. And if that's a guard in that range, you're going to take a guard, even though you don't need a guard. Um, I would agree. To I be, just had to flip some to, shit that way. To be very clear uh, for the first round picks, we talked about Chet Holmgren, seven footer, Jabari Smith, basically a seven footer, Keegan Murray, a tall forward, Paulo Bonchero, a tall forward. A.J. Griffin, a forward, not necessarily super tall, but 
Mm-hmm. And then we also talk about Jalen Duran. I mean, a center, 6'10", 6'11". So there are plenty of big guys, but like those, that early second round is, you know, more traditionally your smaller wing players, especially in this draft, not necessarily traditionally, but for this draft specifically, those seem to be the players right now when you're looking at the board, they're going to be in that range where you're going to get the most value out of that pick. So that's why I keep bringing up it's not by design no, I mean, that I'm talking about him. So, and I, I completely agree, especially in that second round. You just, if you think you got a guy with NBA talent, you take him no matter what position, right? So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was tongue in cheek, my friend. It you can't just be going, who's the tallest player? Yeah, <laughs> let's take him. Yeah. So, I mean, which, I mean, we, we talked about Coloco a little bit. I mean, he's a player that could be there that the late second round that, that is a seven footer. Um, Here you go. The, the last team I kind of want to talk about is a team that is going to be playing in Portland on Thursday. Uh, I, I got tickets to this session. I want to see this UCLA team up close. Um, three guys that are interesting in the second round. I don't think there's no guarantees that all three of them come out. Uh, all of them are juniors. They could all come back for another year, but I would bet, you know, especially Johnny Juzang probably wished he would have just came into the draft last year because he was probably flirting with being a lottery pick, late lottery pick, mid first round pick last year. So the three guys you're watching for them, everybody kind of knows them, but it's Johnny Juzang, six, seven guard forward, uh, really tough shot maker, not afraid of contact, not afraid to play that old school mid range game, uh, but has improved his three point shooting this year. Still, his stock is not leaped off the table. Uh, Jacquez Jr. is the other forward you're going to want to watch here. Uh, his stock has improved this year. He, you know, he's 6'7", guard forward. He has improved his playmaking ability. His assist numbers have come up slightly. He's just a really smart decision maker. You know, a lot of the stuff we were talking about with Josh Hart is a lot of what Jacquez Jr. does. Not afraid to make tough shots. Knows his role. Gets to the corner knows where his teammates are, just a lot of that smart basketball play, a lot of stuff that you could do a lot worse in the second round. And then finally, you know, we got to talk about a small player here. We got Tiger Campbell, 5'10 point guard. Just, Shoot first. Just, <laughs> but but his, his assisted turnover rate is impressive for a player that plays at the pace that he plays at. You know, 4.2 assists to just over one turnover per game. So that that is impressive. impressive what he can do there. He sets the table for the other two wing players. Um, is a guy when he's streaky and gets hot, if he gets a chance to get hot in this tournament, he is really fun to watch. And that, that UCLA team is in position potentially to meet up with Baylor in the Sweet 16. And I think that is a very interesting matchup. You're talking about mm-hmm. a couple first round forward options that not aren't necessarily in the Blazers range yet, unless they improve, are going to meet with some potentially second round wing players. I think that'll be a really interesting test if that is what happens, if that how, is how the bracket breaks. Um, but even in the second round, if St. Mary's wins and UCLA wins their first round matchup, you're talking about very much St. Mary slows everything down. It's been a constant theme on this show this week, but St. Mary's really slows things down. That's how they beat Gonzaga. They really take people out of their element. And this is where you want to see what can Juzang, what can Jacquez Jr. do when the action slows down? Are they still effective? Can they still make tough shots? And that those are just a handful of people that I'm watching 
you know, this first weekend. I mean, there's going to be stars and people that come out of nowhere, but these sure. people have, have a profile coming into the tournament. And I think fallen ranges where the Blazers are going to have picks. Is, it, is there anybody I missed? Or I mean, obviously I missed a lot of players here. Is there someone that you wanted to touch on before we kind of wrap the show up? I think I already threw out all my guys, man. Um, I don't think I'm as deep in it in the late second as you are. So talk about <laughs> the projected range from number 35 <laughs> to 60. So yeah, yeah. No, I think we covered it. Um, it should be a, always an entertaining tournament. I'm glad that we have fans in the arenas and things are, you know, it's gonna be kind of back to old school March basketball. And so mm-hmm. I'm extremely excited about it, especially with you know. State of the Blazers. It'll be a good distraction to see. Hopefully, you know, be able to kind of put our scouting hats on and watch some of these yep. guys. And so, can't wait. Yep. And it's also important to know when you you know you are watching these games. It, it is a different, you know, set of circumstances for these players. It's very different than the pace of play they've been playing all season. So, you know, if you see someone have an off game, but they're still high up on the draft board, don't take too much stock into it. If you see somebody have a mm-hmm. great game and they're real low on the draft boards. Don't take too much stock in it. That, that would be my advice here. But more so than watching overall point totals and overall performances, watch the little things. Watch how players close out on defense. Watch shooting mechanics. How fast do they get their into their shooting motion? Where's their release point? Uh, are they turnover prone? Are they comfortable handling the ball? Do they only go to their right? Do they only go to the left? Like These are the things that you should watch. Just the little things. Don't watch the overall performance and get caught up in the storylines. Watch pro basketball moves. Watch what big men do when they get rebounds. Do they bring the ball back down to the floor and put it on the floor, or do they just go right back up with it? Like These are the little things you should be watching if you want to get an idea of players that potentially can translate their skills to the NBA. So Anyway, that's my oh, spiel. That's it's Christmas, totally, man. Totally correct. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's Christmas. I, lo- I love this time of year. It is uh, it, when I was in school, through grade school, through high school. Sorry for any of my former teachers that are listening, but my dad – and, and my mom was also cool with it, made sure that I was, I could get out of school. I was always sick during tournament time. And I just sat <laughs> and, and watched basketball all day, every day. So it, it, it truly is my, my favorite time of the year. And I will also afford those privileges to my daughter uh, later on in life too. So. Well, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's going to be good. All right. My, my parents made my ass go to school, but you know, here, here in my later years, I've been able to control my schedule a little more. Yeah. I definitely make a little time to watch some games. So. I think actually there was a point where I turned in high school where I was actually doing the teacher's pool bracket for a couple teachers. <laughs> um, and I, I think I, I won three out of the four years, but I think two of the teachers that I was both building their brackets slightly different for each one. Uh, shout out to Mr. Scheller and Mr. Allen. Um, they found out that I was making both their brackets, which turned into an ugly situation for my senior year. But oh, scandal. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. Thank you, everybody who's listening. Enjoy a weekend full of fun basketball. Um, not necessarily Blazers basketball, but college basketball. Soak it in. It is one of the greatest basketball spectacles in this country. So hope everybody enjoys it. That's all I got, Brian. Anything before you go? Nah, man. Looking forward to catching some games and kind of recapping how some of these prospects have have shown, you know, what they've shown their first couple games of the tournament. So this will still be a Blazer centric pod, but with two high, well, hopefully two first round picks and two seconds, we got to get into some prospects. So you're going to be hearing a little bit of prospect talk the next couple of weeks. Why not? All right. That's it, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. 
you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And while you're at it, go follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod. We'll see you next week.